You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Would you please welcome Joe Francis? My name is Joe Francis, and I'm one of your elders in a probationary period, and this is my final exam. (laughs) We're going to cover a lot this morning, Um, and in your seat backs in front of you, you have a note sheet in front of you, and in that note sheet, there's going to be all kinds of scripture references that we're going to be going through today, and I encourage you to take notes and think of all of the things that we're going to be talking about. Lord, I lift up this time. I lift up these words, God, because they're not mine. Help me, God, to just deliver what you want us to hear, what you want us to know. God, this is your time. Help us, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. All right. um, Two weeks ago, Pastor Phil discussed creation and everything that went well, and the sixth day, it was very good. Last week, Pastor Phil discussed the fall, the root cause and result and remedy for sin. Now, recall the root of sin is believing lies. Lies are falsehoods or untruths. The opposite of a lie is the truth, and God is truth. David prays in 2 Samuel, and now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Hebrews says that it is impossible for God to lie. So these are two character traits of God. He is truthful, and he does not lie. They are called communicable attributes in a fancy term, things that we can imitate about God. These are different than the incommunicable attributes of God, ways that we cannot imitate God, like God being in every place at the same time although we'd love to be every place in the same time. Today, we'll be discussing another character trait of God, how he is a God of promise. So on the screen, Lori, are we, there we go. There we go, sweet, thank you, okay. Today, we'll see that God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. God's plan carries over from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and is a part of the overall plan to redeem his people. And God has an incredible desire to have a relationship with his people. We're going to begin with a bit of background and a few definitions. So let's start with the definition of the word promise. Now, a promise is a declaration made by one person to another which binds the person who makes it. If I promise 
to help you cut down a tree tomorrow, and I don't show up just because I don't feel like it, I'm a promise breaker. If I'm known for breaking promises, my character is flawed, and I'm known as someone who doesn't keep my promises. But when God makes his promises, however, he keeps his promises. In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, God speaks to the Jewish people through Jeremiah and says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And they returned. In Acts 1, after the crucifixion of Jesus, his apostles were told to stay put in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes back just as he promised. And the Holy Spirit came to them. When it comes to his promises, God's character is ironclad. In the book of Joshua, it says, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. In the book of Numbers, it says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? The point is this. When God makes a promise, you can count on it. That's the first underline in your note page. When God makes a promise, you can count on it. While it's important to understand God's promises are true, it's also important to understand a more personal kind of promise, the covenant. A covenant involves two or more people and is significant in the Bible because Covenants are like the trunk of a tree, whereas the promises are like its branches. Covenants are foundational to the overall story of the Bible. Covenants bind relationships, and God wants to have relationships with his creation. Okay, here's a plug for our Sunday morning Bible studies. If you're interested in talking about and learning more about things like the covenants, set your alarms one hour earlier on Sunday mornings and join us at nine o'clock. I can tell you that you will spiritually grow much more than the hour sleep that you'll lose. So that's my quick plug. Let's move on. After that background, now we'll be looking at the book of Genesis the first book of the Old Testament in chapter 12. And we'll be talking about Abram, or Abraham, as God later renames him. There is so much, um, so much about Abraham in the Bible that we can do an entire series on him alone. Listen to these few things. Abraham was called by God to be the beginning of the Jewish nation. Abraham was visited by God 
And daringly, Abraham negotiates the future of Sodom with him. And we see also the very human side of Abram as he deceives kings and has an adulterous relationship with his wife's maid. And we also read where Abraham was called to sacrifice the son promised to him, given to him in his old age. There is so much here. This would be a great series for Angel Studios to take on. Let's let them take care of the chosen first, but maybe they'll do something like Abraham next. There's so much here. Today, though, we'll be focusing on a few specific but very important promises that God makes to Abraham. Now, let's get into our first text, chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Note, in this text, God says, go. Go from your relatives. Go from your father's house. Go to a new land. Then God promises he will make Abraham a great nation. God will bless him. God will make his name great. And then God also promises he will bless those who bless him. He will curse those who curse him. And all of the families of the earth will be blessed through him. Three directives, six promises. These promises are important because God, again, is trying to establish a relationship with his creation. We're going to see this time and time again. This time, though, God identifies a specific people group, the descendants of Abraham, which will be known as the Israelites or the Jewish people as we know them. God also makes reference to a land, a place where these people will inhabit. And God addresses his treatment of this new people group, blessings for them and curses for those who oppose them. These few verses are a continuation of the efforts that God has made in the past for his creation. God wants a relationship with his creation. That's your next underline. God wants a relationship with his creation. Now he is continuing this relationship with very new promises in a very new approach. We can see how Abraham deals with these promises. If you read, we're read to read the book of Genesis chapters 12 through 25. We see how Abraham interacts with God. We see how God reiterates these promises and to the point of stating a formal covenant with Abraham, and we'll see that. 
But there's another purpose for our text in chapter 12. Does any of this sound familiar? We've already heard the purpose. God is appointing a people group. God is blessing the people group. And all families of the earth will be blessed through them. This is what God started in the Garden of Eden. God created Adam and Eve. In the next slide, please. He had a relationship with Adam and Eve for a time, but Adam and Eve broke the relationship. After generations, God still wanted a relationship with his creation. But the people were too wicked, and he executed his godly justice. He saved, however, eight people to start again, Noah and his family. But very early, we see things going south again. The world continued its wickedness, and the people were turning around and turning toward their works rather than to God. So God scattered them, and he gave them different languages. This is where Genesis 11 leaves us. And then we see the story of Abram begin in Genesis chapter 12. That's what we just read. God wants a relationship with his people. Let's connect now our story of Abraham to the New Testament, the times in which we're living now, today. God made promises to a people group. God kept promises to a people group. Through Abraham, we have his son Isaac. Through Isaac, we have his son Jacob. And through Jacob, we have 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, through one of those tribes of Israel, the tribe of Judah, 10 generations later, we have David. And from David, 28 generations later, we have Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You see, there is a clear connection to the Old Testament and the New Testament in the lineage of Abraham. So this is our first connection that we're going to highlight this morning to the New Testament. But there is more. The faith that Abraham had in God is the same faith we need today in order to have a relationship with God. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that when what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We believe in our hearts that God is real, although we do not see him. We are assured in our hope in him, and we receive his promise. Hmm. Continuing in Hebrews, verses 8 through 10, it says, By faith, Abraham 
obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder was God. Abraham was among the list of very faithful people identified in Hebrews chapter 11. I would commend that chapter to you to read and look through all of those people who had the faith that God wanted them to have. Now, going back to Genesis in chapter 15, we see that Abraham was made righteous by his faith. Genesis 15, 6 says, And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. That is, Abraham's faith saved him. It made him righteous before God. That's your next underline. Abraham's faith saved him. Now, in the New Testament, again, in the book of Romans, hear these words from Romans chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed in God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. We just read that. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessings of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Do you see it? Do you see it? We often wonder, since Jesus did not die for sins until about 2,000 years ago, how did the people of the Old Testament get to heaven? It's the same faith that saves people in the Old Testament as it is today during New Testament times. It is our faith that saves us. Hmm. And here's yet another connection between the Old and the New Testaments, a very important connection. Now, in chapter 22 of Genesis, God tests Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. This is the lineage that God promised Abraham back in chapter 12. So let's read Genesis chapter 22, beginning at the end of verse 8. So they, Abraham and Isaac, went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, 
Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horn. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said today, on the mount, the Lord will be, shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Remember, this is an important connection between the Old and the New Testament. When God tested Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son, we can see a connection to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God's only son. God promised Abraham a lineage back in chapter 12 of Genesis. Then Abraham had a few encounters with his sin nature. Twice he gave his wife to another man. He fathered another child from his wife's maid. He lost patience waiting for God. You think God works through flawed people? Just like us. After God tested Abraham with Isaac, God declared the same promises to Abraham in chapter 12. Only this time, he proclaimed them with an oath. Now, an oath is an even greater type of promise. And this was given to Abraham because he passed the test. He showed his faith in God. Keep in mind, God started giving these promises to Abraham about 25 years earlier. There was a lot of time that passed between when God started to give these promises to Abraham to the time that he received the oath. Are you waiting for God's promises? 
Be faithful and patient, church. So, all of these promises, covenants, and oaths show us something very important about God. He loves us so much that he created us to have a relationship with us, to live life with him. Again, God tried to have a perfect relationship with Adam and Eve, but they failed. He tried it with Abraham, but he failed. He tried it with the Israelites, but they failed. He tried it with David, but David failed. With all of these, God made covenants, but the humans involved still messed it up, messed up their relationships with God and his command, just like we do today. Even after an event like Exodus, which happened years after Abraham, Moses and the Jewish people left the slavery of Egypt by God's great hand, showing them miracle after miracle. And after this, it only took one generation, one, for them to forget God. They didn't teach their children about God. They didn't show God others. They didn't show God to others in their lives. This is what's happening today and why it is so important for the next generation to be taught about God and to learn how to live lives with God. It's parents and caregivers' responsibility to teach the next generation. And it's everyone's responsibility in the church to help them out. And it's all of our responsibility to model Jesus Christ to the world. But you see, church, we have a problem. The problem is called sin. Sin is when we do not think, we do not act, or we do not speak in the perfect ways of God. It is impossible to perfectly follow everything God wants us to do. Our sin keeps us enjoying many of God's promises. That's the next underline in your notes. Our sin keeps us from enjoying many of God's promises. Why? because we have a default setting that wants to do things that God does not want us to do. Listen again, it's called sin. We have a sin problem. The promises made to Abraham show us God's plan to continue his relationship with a people group. This promise was partially filled with the Jews. Partially filled with the Jews. But what about the rest of us? Our only escape of sin is by hearing God's promised plan. So you see, there is one more covenant 
a very significant promise that came from God. It's called the new covenant. Jesus said in the book of Luke, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant was brought to us through Jesus Christ, God's only son who was born, lived, died, and came back to life so that we may be with him forever. God created us to have relationship with him and to worship him because we desire to do so. And when we recognize that desire to be in relationship with God, we recognize that Jesus Christ is God's plan to assure that we can have a relationship with him. That's your next underline. We can have a relationship with him. His plan in three points is, number one, we recognize that we are sinners and it is impossible for us to perfectly follow God. And this keeps us away from God because God and sin are completely separate. We acknowledge number two and believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as a substitute for our sin. This was God's plan from the very beginning. He died in my place. He took the punishment for my sin. Number three, we live our lives to please God, which is to be obedient to him and grow in our walk with him. And this is also our walk with each other, Elevation Community Church. Do you know the people of this church to live life with them? Please talk to us about how to get connected and how to live life together with each other. Church, the Bible is full of promises. But God's promises are not magic words that we can recite for fun. God's promises are not meant to be used as a list and we ignore the rest of the Bible. God's promises may not even be able to be claimed without first going through a test like Abraham. God's promises come with responsibility. And we need to have faith in God who is overall. We need to follow God and be obedient to him. And we need to trust his plan, his new covenant, and his only son, Jesus Christ. Now, in the book of Galatians, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, 
the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Do you see? Even us Gentiles, we are recipients of the promises that God gave Abraham back in Genesis. This is all part of his plan. I'd like to ask the worship team to return this time, please. So, how do you apply this information about promises? First, oh, behind me. There it is. Okay, first, you understand that there are promises, covenants, and oaths made by God to his people. Next, you understand your role in God's plan. We are sinners, saved by grace, by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is his plan. This plan began in the Old Testament and carries through to the New Testament. You see, the Bible is history, his story. I encourage you to read the Bible every day, even a verse at a time, and pray to God about what you read, your life and your life with others. And lastly, understand that God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you, his people. You can grow in your relationship with God in a few ways. Look over the notes that you've taken today. Think about them. Pray about them. Read the suggested readings that are on your note sheet. On the bottom of that note sheet, you'll have a lot of suggested readings in there. Read over those and pray over the scriptures that you read. And because he wants to have a relationship with us, he's created us to have a relationship with each other. So, Let's pray for each other. Let's get to know each other better. Let's serve and fellowship together with others here at Elevation Community Church. Father God, I want to lift up this time. We pray, God, that we understand your word. That we know you want us to have a relationship with us, God. You want to have a relationship with us, and God, we want to have a relationship with you, but we mess it up. So help us, God, not to mess it up, but to keep steady, to keep on the right path, to live our lives for you and with each other. Jesus, we lift these things up in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.